ESPN's Bobby Marks goes off on the Charlotte Hornets and says they need to sell at the deadline. We'll get to that, plus your question and comments today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube, by the way, where Bobby Marks just went off on the Charlotte Hornets. We'll get to that in just a Please. moment. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp as the world's largest therapy service. BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash locked on nba i'm walker mail i'm back on wesson walker today it's been a while i'm gonna go <laughs> back on today and thursday and then Good i'm gonna leave friday and i'm not gonna be there tuesday because of christmas plans so even yeah, better for um, you it's like <laughs> a little it's like West, yeah a little, I know. a little come back to work in a six-day weekend <laughs> i know i need a vacation after my vacation it, it was no vacation it was it was very it was it was bad i had the uh the covid yeah the, the well problems. listen our listeners yeah. heard we all we yeah all thank you i know i know i told you yesterday yes that my boss literally said i don't want you on the air if you sound like that um, and i said and you you asked me the same thing and i said get your bleep on the microphone i need you that's right he dragged me over here to the microphone. That's Doug Branson. You can follow his work, his Substack, every Hornets box score on every Hornets box score.com. Okay, let's get to this Bobby Marks rant here, Doug. So I before we get to it, it, it Bobby Marks on YouTube, on his front office insider show, I believe that's right. And then he also had a write-up, a part of the Hoop Collective, Brian Winhorst, a couple different people contributing to that, Kevin Pelton as well, on ESPN.com. So Bobby Mark's portion of that was basically just to trash talk the Hornets for what they've done. <laughs> just wanted to go off, had this burning desire to do that. And what's interesting is I, I go back the last couple of years and see the Bobby Mark's future rankings, right? You know how he'll always do mm -hmm. that. I think during the off season, um, he does it annually. And the Hornets have been falling back ever since we had the initial high of drafting LaMelo and he's coming off his Rookie of the Year award. And Miles at the time is starting to come along that he has the big explosive play last year before he eventually gets arrested. And you have all this stuff that happened this offseason that was so bad. Um, it's just interesting to see the sour on the Charlotte Hornets and, and where he used to think the Hornets were based off of their future rankings, right? Like he kind of liked what they did, but in this video, he goes off on their last three first round picks, James book Knight, Kai Jones and Mark Williams, the first two Kai and James sharing some time in the rotation, but never long. And Mark Williams hasn't seen the rotation at all. Instead, he's in the G league and we'll get to that later on as well, but that's an indictment to Bobby Marks on the Charlotte Hornets because they just can't hit on their draft picks. He said on WFNZ just last week that it's an indictment on their philosophy throughout the NBA draft, which that's what he said. They need to change their philosophy through the NBA draft, which I'm not quite sure what that means. What did you have to say about some of uh, Bobby Mark's comments here, Doug? He says a lot. Take us wherever you want to go. 
he's he's really upset like I don't know he's very angry at the Charlotte Hornets like that was what surprised me the most on the YouTube video at least I think the write-up was was pretty generic but the the YouTube roast that he goes on um, just seems like he he just is weirdly upset with how Michael Jordan is running this team and maybe he's just sort of trying to channel some of the social media uh, uh, you know, fever that, that is around Michael Jordan and the way that this team has been managed by uh, him and, and, and Mitch Kupchak. But I mean, you know, come on. Like if you're what, I think what really got me about this video is that you know, he goes in on the fact that the Hornets, you know, only have eight wins at this point. He doesn't understand how Vegas only had them or had them at 32 wins and not as the as the absolute worst team in the Eastern Conference. And it's like, Bobby, okay, they they lost Miles Bridges and that sent them to 32 wins. But even then, had they stayed healthy, I think this team could have gotten to 32 wins. I'm, I'm going to say they could have done it easily. And you know, the fact that the injuries. Uh, were the main driving factor behind this eight wins, I think is indisputable. And he doesn't really even mention the injuries at all in this video. So I, I don't have much grievance with, you know, his takes on the draft. The Hornets haven't drafted well. It, it, and it's less about Book Knight and Kai Jones and Mark Williams, more so than some of the big mistakes that they've made in the past before that, but that he doesn't really dive into. But yeah, I mean, this team has struggled to draft quality players, especially in the first round. They've done well in the second round, but have struggled to draft quality first round players that contribute, you know, multiple years and get extensions. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But to but to not recognize that injuries have been a huge factor in why they're not competing, you know, I think is is a little bit of a blind spot in this video. Well, and and so maybe he doesn't care about the injuries. And the reason I say that is because he might just he has a fundamental problem with the way that the Hornets have been building because he also said on WFNZ with Mac and bone just last week that miles bridges arrest understanding that we need to have all the sympathy in the world for Michelle Johnson, the kids, the actual situation that matters in the real world under that caveat where that is first and foremost, more important when we deal with the consequences, as far as the basketball team is concerned on the basketball court, Bobby Marks did say, that not signing Miles Bridges to what was inevitably going to be at least, at the very least, $25 million a year. And i that's real conservative. I was thinking more so twenty-eight thirty. So if you were going to get that kind of money and the fact that the Hornets didn't give him that money, he thinks that was better for Charlotte and their long-term plans, which is also questionable because I think if you, if you believed in Miles Bridges as a player, that's a lot of money to give to a guy that didn't even make the all-star team. Totally get it, right? Going to be 25 years old. I get that's a lot of money. I didn't have any problem at the time. I thought they kind of had to give Miles that money. Hope that LaMelo came along and make a couple of moves here and there. I think their offseason goes completely differently. But he does have a fundamental problem with the way that the Charlotte Hornets have attacked each offseason for the last decade. So... Maybe he doesn't care about the injuries. That's fine. I do think that the injuries contribute to their easier path to bottom out because they're already at the bottom. I mean, Detroit lost, and so now they have the worst Eastern Conference record and the worst NBA record, but Hornets still have the same exact odds to get that number one overall pick as the Detroit Pistons do, right? You have to be a bottom three team. So the fact that the injuries have happened, it does allow Bobby to have this take a little bit more at the ready because – 
that's why they're at the bottom of the NBA. Yeah, I don't think he gets to really the fundamental reason why this team is continuing continuing to languish, you know, after getting smoked in two straight play-in games. And that reason is that the Hornets haven't addressed the fundamental roster construction issues that they've had for many, many years, and it starts at the center position. They're, they've been weak at that position. They've been weak defensively. They've been weak offensively at that position, and it hasn't gotten any better. And also, they're just not a very physical team. They're still built on you know skill and speed, which which can win in the regular season if it's healthy, uh, but doesn't win. It doesn't typically win in the postseason. And they thought that they could. Uh, I don't know what, well, you know, honestly, I don't think they thought they could change it via the coach because Clifford has come in and tried to bring that level of physicality. But but I don't know that that was always really the the top motivating factor in the coaching hire. If it if it had been, you know, Dan Tony, certainly not. Um, and and if it had been um, I've already forgotten his name because I, I've wiped him from my memory because he doesn't matter because he scored Kenny Atkinson, Kenny Atkinson. Yeah, whatever, Kenny. Uh, you know, he's just scoring the Hornets, and I completely forget about you. That's how that's how I work. Which is Bobby yeah. Marks is working on it, by the way. I'm about to just forget about Bobby Marks's name. All of oh a sudden. no, don't do that. Not Bobby. Not precious baby Bobby. <laughs> yeah, Bobby. Bobby's going on my list with Will Kunkel. Kunkel knows what he did. <laughs> Good, because I don't. I'm gonna have to ask him if he remembers what he did. Well, I don't think he knows what he did because uh, you know I just you know crush him on air and don't necessarily let him know. But yeah, anyway, uh, just like Bobby, Bobby's not gonna know what he did. But um, but but the thing is, I I don't think that that Bobby really understands a fundamental problem with this team. He thinks it's draft, and I think it's and I think part of it's draft, but I think part of it's inactivity in the offseason and recognizing what your actual problem is and going out and addressing that because they're not. You know, I know that the Charlotte Hornets aren't going to go out and get big free agents, which is always what you know, the organization brings up as an excuse. Well, you know, we can't be big players in free agency. That's not how this whole thing works. I understand you're not going to go out and get the big fish, but, they, but they've used that as an excuse not to even go after some small to mid-sized fish that could help at the center position, and, and it's, it's been a real shame. Yeah, the last so a couple other things. I want to get to maybe a couple of other comments in the next segment, but one thing about the whole free agent signing is, too, like I, I understand – I understand – that fans at the time loved bringing in Gordon Hayward, a lot of fans of it. A lot of fans also liked signing Terry Rozier. But to me, that almost, if you act like a small market team, then you're going to get small market results. I mean, for some reason, you know, bringing in Gordon Hayward at the time and signing him to a big contract didn't make sense then. A lot of people justified it by saying this is going to help with LaMelo, that they can't go out and get the huge free agent, so they had to overpay for Gordon Hayward despite the injury. Okay. And, like, they they paid Terry Rozier a lot of money. And because he's been somewhat of our hero, people like that. And so it sucks because I want to I want to divide the love I have for Terry and what he's accomplished and also recognizing, man, that contract didn't look good then. And now it looks even worse because he's playing worse this year. And I, I mean, and I, you know, you get drilled for it, but at the same time, it's like, this is, this is what the Hornets are doing. They put so much money into Gordon Hayward and to Terry Rozier, where if you give a lot of money to the guy that hits like Miles Bridges, then, and LaMelo, then you're capped out and your third and fourth best players aren't guys that are going to get you to a deep playoff run. 
And so I think that's what kind of hurts you is the way that they've spent money because you did have a pretty good stretch in the NBA draft, drafting Miles Bridges, despite my hatred for it. And yes, they could have gone after SGA, which honestly, that was kind of muted as much as I love them. That was muted with the way that Miles played last year, right? It wasn't completely silent. SGA is playing at an MVP level. But the fact that Miles played as well as he did, I'm not going to say they missed on that draft pick. Even with PJ struggles, the guy's going to get, what, 12 to $15 million in his second contract. All the redrafts have to have him going a little bit earlier or right at where he was. I'm not going to call PJ a miss. And nobody's going to call LaMelo a miss when it wasn't a foregone conclusion that he was going to be a star. You had three drafts in a row. Not so coincidentally, the first three years that Mitch Kupchak took over for Rich Cho, right? So, like, there are levels to this. But, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and get mad at Bobby for saying that the Hornets are, there's something wrong with the franchise because you can't have really the worst record in the league and then fight up. Bobby can't hear me. You know, no other team can hear me complaining down here because we're already in all the way at the bottom of the stands. <laughs> hello, so, hello, hello, yeah, hello. yeah, they can't. It goes into the depths of hell. I do have a couple of other things. He said some stuff about James Booknight, other draft picks, what they should be doing with those draft picks. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. I want to talk about some of the other stuff surrounding book night, and we have some YouTube comments and questions to get to plenty more to get to on locked on Hornets. This episode is brought to you by better help. Look, unfortunately life doesn't come with a user manual. That's just how it is. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure whether it's a career change, a new relationship or becoming a parent. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists, and it's convenient and accessible anywhere, 100% online. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. And if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. And it really couldn't be any simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. You can learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash NBA. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on NBA. Plenty more to come. Locked on Hornets. Is locked on Hornets. They're running their rookies to Greensboro. They're driving them to Greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an NBA game. I cannot <laughs> wait until the Hornets load manage. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen. For your second listen, make sure you catch Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter the most, the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. We'll get to a couple of the questions and comments that people have written in our YouTube comment section. I did want to get to a couple of other things with Bobby Marks, though. He also said James Booknight should be playing in the G League. I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that. But, Doug, this is where the injury thing comes into effect. I think maybe James Booknight would be playing for the Swarm if their whole backcourt hadn't been wiped out at the beginning of the season, where James Booknight actually was getting a lot of run at the beginning of the year. And then even since then, they got Gordon Hayward. They got LaMelo Ball back. Dennis Smith Jr. has been in and out. He'll be out again. 
But even since they got guys back, you're still missing Cody Martin. You're still missing DSJ. So they need some depth in case anybody goes down in one of these other games. And so while I understand the theory from, from Bobby there, they can't really put book night down now because in, in Greensboro, because who else are they going to call up? This is your guy because you just need some depth in the backcourt. Yeah, I mean, they put Bryce McGowan's down in the uh, in the G League though, so he's he's still getting some time. So that's maybe where Bobby's confusion yeah, is because Bryce McGowan's Bryce McGowan's did has played ahead of James Book Knight, but but they obviously feel like Bryce would would get more value, and I think that's the interesting. That's kind of the weirdly interesting thing, right? That they feel like Bryce would actually get more value from continuing to play. And it may be, I think, reflective of their long-term vision for Bryce McGowan's and understanding that in the short term, their team is not necessarily going to benefit if there were an injury. You know, if there's another injury to a guard that, you know, with Terry out and DSJ out, and again, with multiple guards that they've had out for, for most of the season, it's not really going to matter who you play. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not going to matter if you play Bryce McGowan's or James Booknight necessarily. It's not going to really impact uh, your your chance of winning or losing so they they must feel like Bryce McGowan's would have some value in playing a little bit and and you hold James Book Knight as a as a break glass in case of emergency kind of deal yeah and and that's something that Bobby had a problem with with the Charlotte Hornets amongst many other things you can go check that out on his YouTube channel I, I think it's like the front office the the front office insider show something he's upset like that. He's he's not happy. Should should I allow that to transition us into the Mark Williams question via the the comment section, or sure. did you want to go to that in the second? No, All let's right. do it. All right. So Jason M. wrote in, quote, still struggling. Yep, via YouTube. Jason M. wrote in, quote, still struggling with the fact that we're literally the worst team in the NBA at the moment. That since changed with the Pistons, but overall, <laughs> idea Woo-hoo! understood. Yeah, we we moved up a spot. Worst NBA team at the moment, yet our lottery pick from last year is sitting in the G League. I mean, come on. What's the worst that could happen with playing him and ridding ourselves of Mason Plumley? What do you have to say to Jason M., who writes that question in, Doug? Well, yeah, I mean, when he wrote it in, they were the the worst team. They're one of the – they continue to be one of the worst teams in the league by record. But the team does not view themselves, if fully healthy – as one of the worst teams in the league. They just they don't look at themselves in the mirror and and see themselves like that. They see themselves as as a much more beautiful princess uh than than their record would indicate. And so that's how they're operating. They're operating as if, all right, we're going to get this roster into a place where if it's fully healthy, it can compete. And that means, you know, playing their center playing the best centers that they have, which you know, Mark Williams is not ready to be one of the best centers on this team. You know, I mean, that they would do that. They would play Mark if they were not interested in winning games anymore, if that wasn't the primary motivation. And, you know, unfortunately, Jason, that is their primary motivation right now is to win basketball games. They feel like there's still a – it's getting smaller, but there is still a percentage chance that they can get back into this thing. And I think until that uh, percentage chance goes to near zero or zero – you know, they're going to continue to play their best players and Mark's just not ready to be that right now. No. And and I don't think Mark Williams would come in and be better than Mason Plumley and Nick Richards. Here's what I'll say though. I'm actually, it feels like a lot of Hornets fans want to see Mark Williams and a lot of Hornets media members are, are understanding, Hey, this is, this is not the right time 
I kind of I'm almost with the fans on this one a little bit more. And and, and the reason the reason why is because if you look at his G League stats, Dougie's doing even better in some cases and really the same mm-hmm. things he was doing in college. I mean, so he's averaging over 20 points a game in 10 contests played. He has yeah. two blocks per game. He's shooting well from the free throw line. Not a huge sample. Only two time. Only two times he's shooting from their game. But it's like seventy one percent. Totally fine in the NBA. I'll take that for Mark any day of the week. Sixty three percent field goal percentage. Really good. I, I just with for me, if you're going to the G League, then I want you to get better down there, and I think that's happening for sure. But we've known Mark to improve and develop at a pretty damn rapid pace. And that's one of the things I loved about him coming out of the draft. It's improving so much in his first year, so much in his second year, where he finished the season both times playing better than he did at the beginning of each of those seasons. I think that's happening in the G League. We saw it in summer league. We saw it in preseason. It's happened literally any level of basketball you want to bring to me that I've seen from Mark Williams. He finished better. That's happening with G League now. I, I just... I, I value his standing reach. I value his athleticism. I don't value his physicality, but maybe it's time to put him in the NBA and say, dude, this is what you have to deal with. <laughs> like Joel Embiid and Nicole Jokic pushing you around for eight minutes, and then we'll bring you to the bench. Like that's what you're going to have to deal with. And I know, look, you and, and, and you pointed out in real time, you, this was your uh, miracle after midnight revelation. I think oh also people kind of ran away. <laughs> But you you brought up the point that he got punked by Cabin Gelly in the preseason. There's no doubt about it, right? Cabin Gelly played well with Boston. But let's not forget, Cabin Gelly has been in the league for a while. You know, he hasn't been in the NBA a while, but he's been a draft pick. He's been in the league for a little bit. And yeah, I mean, that was that was a half a season ago at this point or, you know, a quarter of the season ago. Let's just put him out there at, at some points. I, maybe he gets a, a Kai Jones portion of minutes something like that I you know I just I want to see Mark too at least a little bit I'm totally with you and I'm with the fans I'm just I'm just trying to tell no, Jason yeah I'm just trying to explain to Jason why he's seeing what he's seeing and it's because the, that Steve Clifford and the players on this roster have 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 been given uh, an edict from the organization go out and win basketball games and that's what they're trying to do now I, what I think I don't think Mark Williams should play if you're still playing Mason Plumley, if you're still playing Nick Richards, if you're still playing uh, Kelly Oubre, if you're still playing Terry Rozier. Uh, you know, Nick Richards should start, and Mark Williams should be the bench player, and you should trade Kelly and trade Mason. And, you know, for pennies on the dollar, if that's the direction you want to go, that's how you have to do it. You can't play Mark, you know, and, and bench Mason – and play Mark with all of these veteran players because I don't think I don't think it makes Lamelo better. I don't think it makes you know I don't think it makes a big case if because that's really going to make you play out of sync. And and what I would say is like look at what happens, you know, as exciting as Kai Jones has been. Look at what happens after he got you know some extended minutes over time. You know, it was it was cool at first because Kai was surprising a lot of people, including yeah. the opposing team. 
But once he started playing more and more, the book was out on like, okay, here's what you can do. You can, you can draw screen fouls on this guy by doing X, Y, and Z. Like the NBA quickly learns what your biggest flaws are and goes after them and exposes them. And Kai Jones has been exposed. Like he's, he's not going, I think he's going to continue to not get minutes until he improves certain things. So I think that's what would happen to Mark as well, unless the team was committed fully to not winning and looking terrible, and then you can play Mark all you want to. So this is on the front office to to make those moves that would allow you to play a guy like Mark because yeah. as he is right now, Mark is not ready. Unlike Bryce McGowan, see that's how I would contrast him to Bryce. Bryce is a player. What do we say all the time with Bryce? Bryce looks like he belongs. Translate that to he looks like he deserves minutes. Like you can play him with veterans. And the veterans don't look worse because he's on the floor. That's what would happen if you play Mark Williams, I think. Yeah, and last thing, I think I do think the comparison with Kai Jones, and I and I get Mark Williams isn't going to be better than Mason Plumley. I think Kai is so unpolished. I don't think Mark Williams is going to travel when he gets a, a slip pass and then force up a fadeaway like jumper. Like Kai's still experimenting. He doesn't know what he is yet. I mean, Kai is figuring out who he is in the NBA. I think Mark knows it for the most part. He's certainly closer to that than Kai. I think that would lead to less mistakes. At the same time, I'm not going to sit here and say Mark is better than Mason Plumley at the moment. Last thing, just a quick comment. Mello one of one wrote in, quote, two straight games of giving up a 20-point, 20 20-rebound 20 game is crazy. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> yeah. And that this is this is in the theme, right? This is the center theme that has been, as you called it, the fundamental problem with the roster construction. Well, yeah, I mean, the, you know, Mason Plumley is not a rim protecting big. Uh, Nick Richards has a pretty good block percentage on the year, uh, isn't fouling as much as Mason Plumley. Mason Plumley's fouling at a below average rate, uh, but Nick, I think, has problems guarding in the pick and roll that I think Mason is a little better at navigating so he can clog the paint. But if you're a big guy like Jokic or uh, Sabonis who can hit threes, you can stretch Mason out so you 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 take away some of his ability to kind of sink back into the paint and anticipate your drive or anticipate you catching it on the roll, then, yeah, I mean, there's no chance. But, yeah, but look, <laughs> yeah. Jokic, you know, they get a break tonight against the Clippers that don't, they don't have like, you know, a, a world shattering big. I mean, Jokic is a spe- he's an MVP talent. Sabonis is is a, sp- a really really special talent and is only going to get better. Like so, you know, I wish the Hornets had some some kind of thing. I mean, it was it was it was the main fundamental argument behind going after Miles Turner, is that you put someone at the center position that f- that fundamentally changes the calculus both of your team and how Uh the other team guards you and attacks you that's what miles turner does if he's healthy and so that was you know the fundamental argument behind bringing miles turner in and um uh, that's what you're seeing when you have plumley plumley doesn't change anything for another team the only thing it changes is the bench's reaction when he takes a left-handed jumper The, the the reaction is phenomenal um you mentioned the clippers don't have that kind of guy i will say i was looking up all the people that corralled in a close to 30 rebounds in the game the last person to do anything close to that outside of Jokic, it was zubats for the clippers uh, and it was zubats. against the pacers he went 31 oh, okay and well, there you go so i thought i was bracing there i was like wait a minute i don't remember zubats getting 30 against the hornets 
Not against the Hornets, no, but he did it earlier this year. In fact, he did it November 27th. He got 31 points and 29 rebounds. So there is a guy that could do it. So maybe Zubots. Just be out, be on look for 30-30 watch tonight with Zubots. All right, coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Doug has a Kelly Oubre stat he wants to get to. Plus, we do have some other questions and comments to read as well. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis this season. You can get the latest odds and trends for every every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball. They've got it all on BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those on BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. One more segment to go. Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Doug, we've been talking about the big man rotation. Let's talk about the rotation in other areas. Neon Charge on YouTube wrote in this, quote, been saying this all season. Kelly is the guy that should start next to Melo. Kelly might be our best off-ball player. That's perfect next to a playmaker like Mello. We also need more playmaking off the bench besides Theo. So besides Theo, so throw Terry at six man and see what happens. Terry should be on the trade block in any way. I disagree with a couple things in there. What say you about that comment from Neon Charge? I think if we're being totally honest with ourselves and we're we're you know looking at what's happened this season and and trying to figure out how best to proceed under under the assumption that we we want the Charlotte Hornets to win basketball games, which I know people listening there's a, a, a some percentage of people listening to this that don't want them to do that, but let's just talk about the people who do want them to continue winning basketball games. If we're being honest with ourselves, I think it, it does make sense to start Kelly alongside. Lamelo Ball because he he offers more size he offers more I, I think really on the defensive end of the floor offers some protection some deflections an ability to stay in front that isn't excellent but is certainly better than Terry, what Terry Rozier offers you um, he has been good from the corner in terms of catch and shoot threes He's actually been dependent from there uh, it's a, it's the pull ups uh, from everywhere else on the floor you know in terms of his three point percentage that's down on the year. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't really disagree fundamentally with what neon charge says here. I think Kelly has played well as a starter would continue to play well as a starter and, and is probably the best option there at the shooting guard position. Yeah. I mean, so, and I misunderstood some of his comment. I thought he was saying Kelly was a better playmaker and we need more of that off of the bench. And I thought that he was saying that was coming from Kelly and I, you know, my eyes kind of switched a little bit, but regardless, um, the only the only thing I'll have to say, I'm still rolling with Terry, and it goes back to the conversation we had yesterday. Who do you believe these players are? And while we have a pretty good sample size this year to judge what these players are right now, I still believe that Terry's shooting is going to come back. Once Terry's shooting's, shooting comes back, that's going to be huge. 
And last year, Kelly, by a lot of advanced stats, was maybe even literally the worst defender in the NBA. He was bottom five among players, right? I mean, I'm not talking about group. I'm talking about just one of the worst five defenders in the NBA last year. Now, if you look at Kelly Oubre this year, the deflection rates are way up. And I think that's a Steve Clifford effect to argue against that, which is awesome. Um, I, I think the shooting for Terry, I think that's going to come about. I like an overwhelming amount of playmaking as well. Like if you, if Terry is better than Kelly, not that Terry's amazing, but if Terry's a better playmaker than Kelly is, you put that alongside LaMelo. I like having your best players out there. Right. And, and if that means your closing lineup includes Kelly along with Gordon Hayward, Terry and LaMelo, cool, whatever. At the same time, I'm I'm still rolling with Terry, but I it's it's dicey. It's real close. Go ahead. Well, let me show you some more defensive numbers that I think back up my my position, which is that he has an above average block percentage, and as you said, you know deflections, yes, but also just straight steal percentage is at two percent. That's near tops in the league among wings. Yeah, but here's the important part: passing lanes for sure. Yeah, but here's the important part: look at the foul percentage. He doesn't foul a ton either. Uh, 3.5%. That's below average. Oh, I'm sorry. He fouls too much. <laughs> All right. That doesn't help my position, but uh, yeah, I was, I was surprised, but yeah, go ahead. Okay. So that doesn't help my position, but yeah, I think the block and the seal percentage actually, uh, you, you know, outweighs the fact that he does foul a little bit too much from the wing position. And he's not the only one. We know that fouls have been a big problem for this team. No doubt. Uh, Ky- I just, I just sorted this by just straight foul percentage. Kai Jones at the bottom of the list at 5.6%. Jalen McDaniels, again, another player that fouls a lot but gives you you know, a pretty amazing block and steal percentage for the wing position. Mason Plumley, here's the big problem with Mason Plumley, right? Low block percentage, low steal percentage, and a high foul percentage that is below <laughs> average for bigs. Yeah. I mean, that's like the that is the the that's the worst three that you can have, you know, as a as a big. Um, LaMelo Ball, his problems with fouling, um, we've we've talked a lot about on this show, but among point guards, it's like near the bottom of the league how much he fouls. And again, smaller sample size, he's only played seven games this year, but we have a bigger sample size over the course of his career, and that foul percentage hasn't been very good. Um, Nick Richards actually has an above average block percentage, but a foul percentage that's about average. So that's actually, you know, pretty pretty good, although you'd love to see the You'd love to see that foul percentage even higher for for Nick Richards before you were ready to commit to him being a starter. But yeah, so fouling has been a problem for this entire team. I mean, the only ones that are really I look at Teo though, good block percentage for a combo guard, great steal percentage for a combo guard, and doesn't foul. Teo has been uh, just a, a godsend, well, really. So keep this table up because right. I think what you're watching is the Steve Clifford effect. Click on steal percentage. And, and sort by that because okay. you're going to see a lot of guys. I mean, DSJ 100 percentile, Teo 80th, Jalen McDaniels 76. I mean, I think Clifford is just leaning into his guy's strengths by getting in passing lanes, saying, hey, maybe they're going to be late on some rotations because they're gambling a little bit more, but at least they're going to put their hands in passing lanes and, and do the whole deflection thing. Go to the block percentage, too. They're actually block percentages. D- DSJ is 92nd percentile, I believe. You have, uh, except for Mason Plumley, if you sort by block percentage, then everybody else is. There's a lot of people that are pretty damn high. Yes, yes, but... There's a difference between a team that's good at blocking shots and a team that's good at defending the rim. And I think a, a oh, lot no, of these 100%. a lot of these block shots 
are help blocks because they they've let the <laughs> they've let the guy get way by them. You know what I'm saying? Like, and mm-hmm. they don't have anyone that can really like what you want to do is have a player at center. Not that not that like blocks a ton of shots necessarily, although that can be good. But you want a guy that actually chases players out of the paint, and that's that's what's not happening. A lot of these they're getting attacked at the rim a ton. But I wanted finally to mention Terry Rozier in contrast to Kelly. Terry Rozier block percentage for a combo guard very low, steal percentage for a guard yeah. super low, and then yeah. the foul percentage is great at two point one percent. But to me. That's right. an indication of activity, not right. of like he's being smart. It's that you can't foul a guy if the guy blows by you every time and you have no chance. I mean, it's good that he's disciplined. You know, pro- part of the problem with Lamelo is that when a guy blows by, you know, instead of just sort of seeding it and being like, "Whoop, I shouldn't have let him by," you know, and, and but seeding the matchup and letting the help come, you know, he tries to kind of recover and and make a block you know, a sort of chase down block and ends up smacking the guy's arm. And that's what, you know, ends up picking him up these sort of cheap fouls that that pile up and he fouls out of a game. But but so Terry is a little bit more disciplined, but he's also, you know, there's not much activity going on there either. Well, Terry, Terry, I mean, it's been my biggest problem the last three years he's been here. It's been the Olay defense. I mean, he does that move where somebody drives by him and then he swipes behind but he doesn't get a foul because it's it's kind of blatantly obvious he didn't make any contact. <laughs> well, so, it's it's kind of like the guy that heaves it up, you know, clearly. And and Eric Collins and Del Curry, God love yep. them, they will not stop talking about this on the broadcast. They are so, they're about as upset with people who chuck up shots when they after the buzzer goes off as Bobby Marks is with Michael Jordan existing and being the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, that's a little close. Yeah, but but so it's it's kind of like that, right? It's sort of the fake swipe, like oh, I'm trying, and it's like no, you're not really trying. Um, so if we just finish up with one more Kelly Oubre comment from the listeners, light up the bomb. One wrote in quote Oubre thirty one points on twenty five shots. He is shooting significantly more than even Lamelo. His scoring has helped, but he gets Chuck happy too much a lot in these games, which is contributing to losses. I just think it's certain perspective you have to keep on Kelly. He's doing what he's always done and he won't pass the ball that right. This is Kelly Oubre. Hello. But that's, yeah, but that's him. Right. Uh, You know what you're getting with Kelly Oubre, like his, his assist percentage, his assist per per usage is pretty much exactly where it's been his entire career. There was one, when he first got traded to Phoenix, he weirdly like passed the ball a lot. I don't know what that was all about, but then the next, (laughs) when he had the first full season in Phoenix, it went right back down to where it's all always been. Yeah, I mean, he, that's his mentality. He he's a score first guard, um, and you know he did. I did notice that he had twenty shot attempts in that game in in, in the last game uh, before anyone else had ten. Lamelo finally got to ten, but that was mostly because Lamelo was in foul trouble, and Kelly without Terry Rozier there, Kelly assumes a responsibility for the offense. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong because like what other players on this team offensively have have shouted with their play, "Hey, give me more responsibility. I'm ready." Like they're not even Teo because Teo's done great things in small batches, but we've even seen him when he's had to have more responsibility on the offensive end, you know, he he's not like a, t- a crazy reliable shooter. So well, this, like this yeah, team is I mean, full Ke- of those guys. Kelly's the guy. I mean that that well this is 
But but even for Kelly, that's true, right? I mean, even for Kelly, he's shooting as badly as he has since his Washington days. Never before yeah. that was she. I mean, everybody Kelly is. It's not just right, Kelly, though. Right. No, yeah. No, 100 percent. It's it's Kelly who is even though Kelly is more close to what he's always been. It's it's PJ who just can't handle all this. It's just, it's just not. It's fine to experiment with it. But this is just not who PJ is. You're right with Teo. Like, well, he has a baby. Song, PJ baby. has a baby. You, you know, you get a baby. That's and true. All of a sudden, that's right. You know, the dynamics change and you get an excuse. I mean, I understand that. No, 100 percent. But that's just who it is with everybody. That's why it was so great when Dennis Smith Jr. on higher volume was actually playing pretty well. Holy hell. Like, OK, he's here. And defensively, he's playing better. Well, the, the, the one thing, again, that I want to defend Kelly with is that Kelly shot a lot better last year because LaMelo played, right? I mean, LaMelo commands – if you don't have a player on your team that commands a ton of attention on the defensive end of the floor, it's going to be difficult, especially as Kelly's for, you know former role as like just guy that, that, that stands around and, and catches, you know, catches and shoots three-point shots. It's really t- difficult to do that. Um, if Lamella is not on the floor, and, and honestly, it's part of the reason why I want him to start because I think he's a more mature player and a better player when he starts and he's on the bench. And I'm not convinced that Terry would be a worse player off the bench than he is as a starter. I think there's a potential because everything's upside down this season, and they're desperate. Look, I'm going to say one thing to end this to end my, you know, take on the show, which is this: if the Hornets win tonight and they continue to win with Kelly as a starter, I think it would be malpractice to bring Terry back and start him. Franchise malpractice. Put Terry Rozier back in. Yeah, I think that's a lot. I would not call it malpractice because you you might. You're winning games. How many games have you won this? If you win two in a row, if you win two in a row with Kelly as a starter and you decide to put Terry back in the starting lineup, then I think you're sneak tanking. Then I'm gonna then um, I'm gonna start to put the tinfoil hat on and say Steve Clifford is sneak tanking if he puts Terry Rozier back in as starter. That no, that's fine. Maybe, maybe you just need to roll with it until it's it's horrible, and then you just go back to what it was. Last thing I'll say with the whole Kelly stuff, you mentioned Lamelo's impact on Kelly's shooting, and that's why he shot better last year. I also wonder this too. You know, we're talking about Kelly you know, playing better as a starter, more than a bench player, yada, yada. You know, what's interesting too, is that Kelly's best numbers of the season last year line up with Gordon Hayward's availability. So Kelly first half, a lot better shooter, putting up career numbers, shooting overall better from the field and three point land. Yes, that was alongside LaMelo, but that was also with Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward goes down, doesn't play the rest of the season. Kelly's asked to do a little bit more as well in the second half and the numbers absolutely plummet to the point where he's actively hurting by going one of eight all the time. So when you're talking about Gordon and Kelly, like you, you mentioned LaMelo having an impact, the shooting overall hasn't been different than what it was throughout his career. Like even last year, his shooting was the same. It, it was a little tiny bit better, but not enough to make a difference. The first half it was, and that's when you had Gordon as a facilitator and connector Lamelo as your as your franchise player and point guard, and then Kelly could also benefit from all the health that was a part of the team. So just interesting numbers to look at there, and how players affect some of the other players on this squad. That'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube, by the way. And make sure you check out Doug Substack every Hornets box score on. 
everyhornetsboxscore.com. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back to recap that game against the Clippers tomorrow. Malpractice.